0: Absolutely. Come on up. Kathleen was the one who read the letter from the young man who who sent it.
1: I want to thank all of you who go to these events. They mean the world to these kids. Mm -hmm. If they don't write to us, that's okay. Planting so many seeds and watering them and giving them hope. And a lot of them were giving peace. The day before that, I got a call from the doctor saying that my blood test had come back showing I had leukemia. So what was very interesting was the letter I read was from when we went on May 14th. And Ryan sent me a letter and I sent him one back just before I ended up going to UCLA to be admitted for the beginning of my treatments. And what was so sweet was that Ryan ended up turning Some of my own words that I had given to him back to me, which was now it's your turn to remember that God is with you and he will be. During all that time, you people were praying for me along with many others, and I want to thank you so very, very much because I know that God saved me. I was within a week of it being too late to start treatment. And God is good all the time. And to this day, I am still cancer
0: free. Amen. Thank you, Kathleen. Signups are in the back or on you, on you. So uh, come on up and see Dan. He was one of the one of the stars of that video. I was too. My best side was in that video. Did you catch it? <laughs> No, I, I, I've been on quite a few of them as well, and, and I hope this becomes something we can get the majority of our church to rally to. Uh, I, I didn't realize how much... So the kids know in advance when we're going to come, and they just get so excited. I mean, the the anticipation for them, for a church to come and be with them, I've never experienced this in a juvenile system. And the few, I, the few other experiences I've had outside of California, there's just not been this level of openness or cooperation. So I... I I can't say it enough Strongly uh, encourage you If you've never done it, come and be a part They're good kids, they ain't going to beat you up They're not going to say anything unfriendly They are like, thank you for coming Once you show up there And they really are grateful And they're very attentive, they're very respectful So, uh, amen Make sure you uh, put on there Your social security card Because the church has to take out Some new credit cards in your name So we can pay our bills (laughs) So make it nice and, and bold. and <laughs> I got your attention with that one. <laughs> yeah, I just cut the sign-ups in half. <laughs> they are shredded. They are yeah. <laughs> That reminds me of a funny story I heard. <laughs> um, us pastors always share funny stories, and, and I share some on you. <laughs> you can ask me later who gets it, but... Uh, He's telling me about this guy who was married to this girl, and they are married after about 30 years. And I, I related this because this happens in my own marriage, where we'll be laying in bed. It's, you know, 11 o'clock at night, and Tonya will be like, Tom, I think I hear somebody. I think somebody's walking around the house. <laughs> and it's just one of those, oh, no, I don't want to get up. You know, you just, <laughs> I- any husband there with me on that way? No, I don't want to walk around the house, you know. But you do, you know, it's, 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 that's how you love, you know, so get up, you know, so this guy was married to this woman, and, you know, for 30 years, almost, you know, once a week, the wife would nudge him and say, I think there's a thief downstairs, I think he's breaking into our house, and of course, he would always go down, you know, and there would be nobody there, turn all the lights on, you know, get a glass of water, come up and, you know, go to bed. Well, one night, same thing. You know, oh, I think somebody's there. I think somebody's there. So he, you know, he gets up, gets out of bed, you know, and, and starts turning all the lights on. He goes for his glass of water and he flips the light on, and boom! There's a thief right there in the kitchen, taking money out of his wife's wallet. And a thief pulls, grabs for the kitchen knife, and says, "I just want the cash, man. I just want the cash." And the husband's stunned. He goes, "Wait a minute." You have got to come upstairs and meet my wife. She has been waiting 30 years to meet you. Life is funny. People are funny. I only wish I could think of, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> my wife, you said what? You want him to meet me? I better pray. Jesus, as we open up the Word of God, help us, God, to, to chew on it, to uh, drink deep of it, and to learn something this morning and be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're starting a new, new series, really not new. We had a had a vision meeting earlier this year in January where we talked about kind of the three parts of our mission, winning the lost, loving the least, and becoming the last. We're in the middle now. We're starting the loving the least part of it. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about what that means, what it means to love, and especially what it means to love in terms of how God defines love. <clears throat> we left off with Peter and Mary Magdalene last week uh, on Resurrection Sunday. And of course, there you know, Peter and Mary are interesting folks because they are two people after the resurrection that Jesus calls out by name. Jesus, as we saw last week in the text, Jesus said, Mary, he knew her name. And then he said, Mary, go tell Peter he knew his name, once again proving that Jesus has no desire for Christianity to become a religion, but he wants it to be a relationship with him. That's why he called them personally by name. And of course, we throw out that question, why would Jesus even want to come back? If you are like me and I am like you, many of us would have said, no way. After they nailed him to the cross, after they put the crown of thorns in his head, after they whipped him and beat him and mockingly insulted him, and he dies, and he's having a conversation with God, and God says, you're going to go back. How many of you would say, no way? I'm never going back to planet Earth. Man, those people are rude. Those people are not nice. Now, some of you may say, well, you know, he was talking about the resurrection before, you know, so he kind of had to do it. You know, it's kind of his word. You know, he, he said he'd come back in three days. Maybe if he would have known what was going to happen to him. We... The fact of the matter is, Jesus thinks and thought on a level way, way different than us while you and I would probably never want to return to the planet who crucified us. That was always Jesus' goal. Because he doesn't love like we love. A wonderful verse is 1 John 4, chapter, 1 John 4, verse 8, where it says three simple things. God is love. It's not just that God has love. It's not just that God is loving. It's not just that God could act with love toward us. God is love. Just like uh, uh, water is wet, God is love. Just like the sun is hot, God is love. Love exists because God exists. Yeah. Catch my point here? There's a, a, a language in East India called Sanskrit. Hope I'm saying that right. Am I saying that right? Sanskrit? Sanskrit? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That that East Indian—it's the derivative of—it's kind of like Latin for It's it's where a lot of East Indian languages derive from. Do you know how many words that they have for love? How many think of you? It's, how many of you think it's over 100? Well, good. You would be wrong if you thought that. That you, <laughs> you are the smart service. I will tell you that right now. 96 words. In the East Indian languages, to describe how how many of you know how many ancient Persia had? All right, want to say under fifty, or how many are over fifty, or under fifty? Actually, it's over fifty. They had eighty words to describe love. Greek had how many? One, two, three. Good job. Ken's been listening. And English has one. one. (laughs) Gotta love it. I found this quote, I thought this was really funny, somebody commenting on how the fact that the English language only has one word for love, and he said this. He said, certainly, this is prime evidence that feelings and relationships are inferior functions in English-speaking societies, while weapons and technology continue to contain their own dictionaries full of words. In America... We build wonderful Boeing 747s, atomic generators, rockets that can take us to the moon, and yet build very poor relationships and marriages. You would think in such an overachieving society that we would want both. And yet for English speakers, we so often ask, what is love? And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're going to pick up where we left, left off last week in the story. Peter, the apostle Peter, has a problem. He has a problem that many of us have faced. At Jesus' trial, Peter denies even knowing him. It's not like Peter said, well, you know, yeah, I used to hang with the dude, but I don't anymore. Or, yeah, you know, I kind of listened to him a little bit. Or yeah, you know, this and that. Peter flat out says, I don't know the man, never knew him. And so Peter has got a problem. He has denied even knowing Jesus. Jesus is crucified and dies, and now all of a sudden he's alive again. So Peter is fishing on a boat. And he hears this voice, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. This is John chapter 20. And as soon as he heard that, that was like code. He knew exactly who, who it was saying it, and he knew why he was saying it. He knew they were about to get a, a boatload of fish because Jesus had done this before. In fact, perhaps Jesus had done this before for this very moment so that Peter would know beyond the shadow of a doubt this was Jesus' calling card. Miraculous catch of fish. So Peter takes a look at the situation. I got my dudes with me in the boat. I got Jesus on the beach. I need to beat the boat to the beach so that I can get some alone time, some face time with Jesus because him and I got something to work out. This elephant in the room cannot last any longer. And so that's what he does. Hops off the boat, swims to shore, and all of a sudden he's face to face. And he believes it. He knows exactly who it is. And he knows exactly what he did. He said he didn't even know him. Coward. He's feeling all of these feelings inside. And in this exchange, we learn God's definition of love. So Jesus starts out the saying, Peter, do you agape me? Which is one of the Greek words for love. Peter, do you agape me? And Peter answers, Lord, you know I phileo you. Two words there. Agape, up until recent times, we thought agape was only in the New Testament. It turns out it's not, it actually is in other Greek sources. And the beauty of the Bible, the beauty of theology is they all agree on the definition of what agape means. In fact, the extra, the outside of the Bible sources in Greek that talk about agape, they talk about it in a joking, mocking manner that nobody would ever agape. It's, it's one of the most ridiculous forms of love because here's what agape is. Agape is the love that is based on choice and on will rather than phileo, which is the love based on feelings or brotherly affection. So Jesus is saying, Peter, can you choose to love me no matter what? No conditions, no nothing. You just make that choice, and you're going to love me. And Peter says, Jesus, you know I can't say that. You were there. I was making all these statements, and you were the one that said, you will deny me three times before the cock even crows. Jesus, you know I'm not there. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I'm broken. I got a pornographic mind. I'm into drugs. I got all these things going on. Jesus, you know. I phileo you. I have affection for you. I I have strong feelings for you. That's why I'm here. That's why I beat the boat. But this love of choice, this love, this unconditional love, is an act of the will. I don't understand that yet, Jesus. Please heal me so that I will. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus does it a second time. He says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me by choice? Peter, once again, Jesus, you know that I phileo you, that I have this affection for you. I want to be there, but I'm not there yet. And Jesus says again, feed my sheep. Finally, the third time, Jesus comes down to Peter's level. He says, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you love me by affection? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know I do indeed phileo you. Jesus asked the question three times because Peter denied him three times. Each one peeling off the shame and the guilt and restoring peter but also showing us in the process what god's love is when he says to love others and love himself what does he mean he's talking about agapan agape the love based on choice i mean let's face it my feelings your feelings it's like a yo-yo anybody ever have a yo-yo You get a yo-yo around a string, and they go up and down, up and down. If you're like me, it goes down, and you can't get it back up. (laughs) So what do you do? Grab it, you know, and you get frustrated. Feelings are like that. Feelings don't think. Feelings have no intelligence. They just feel. Rational thought thinks, but your feelings can flutter all the way around And Jesus is saying as good as phileo love is, and and, and of course Philadelphia was named after it, the city of brotherly love, as good of all that is. That's actually not how God loves because if God loved in the phileo way, I doubt he would have ever risen from the grave. He would not have felt like coming back. (laughs) But because God loves in an agape love, whether or not he felt like it, probably never dawned on his mind God had made a choice you me everybody else we are the objects of his affection he has made a choice to love us we could crucify him a thousand times and a thousand times he'd come back he's made the choice and the one thing I love about God when he picks his side he sticks with it he's picked his side and that's you He sticks with us no matter what happens or how we feel or how he feels. He's there. Amen? Amen. You might say, well, is that our sermon for the morning? Actually, it's not. Because this whole journey I was on this week led me to another passage from the Bible. And uh, it's going to be up here on the screen here. It's from Romans chapter 13. And if you'll turn there with me, I want to read it together. Sometimes I put the scriptures up, sometimes I don't. When they're small enough and when I want to underline things to make a point, I put them up there. So here we go. Beginning in chapter 13, verse 8, Paul writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. Remember, Jews fulfilled the law not just to slaughter the animal to have their sins forgiven and all that, you know, all that stuff. For a Jew to fulfill God's law was to say to God, I love you. So when Paul brings in this sense of debt and law, it all circles around the word love. In Hebrew, it would be chesed, which is, again, that love of choice. So he references some of the commandments. And by the way. All of these commandments you can find the struggle of love in there first one you shall not commit adultery uh, there's love involved in that one you shall not murder you shall not steal you should not covet you know get greedy <coughs> and and i love paul and whatever other command there may be i write that all the time you, you, you start writing you, you know you don't want to write all 600 and so you know whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command Love your neighbor as yourself. When we love our neighbor and ourselves, we are loving God. That's Paul's point. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. How many of you have ever been in debt? (laughs) Hands go up kind of slowly there. How many of you are in debt? No, just... uh, just, uh, How many of you have ever paid off a debt? Thankfully. <laughs> Isn't that a great feeling? Man, when you pay off that debt, it just feels wonderful. Paul has an interesting point here. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except. So he agrees with all of you. If you have got a financial debt, don't let it remain outstanding. Pay it. If you, got, you owe somebody money, pay them. You owe the government money, pay them. Let that debt not remain out. That's the debt you pay off. But he said, accept the continuing debt to love one another. That is the one debt we never pay off. It's the mortgage that we want to have. It's the debt that we want to have. It's the debt that we get to be a part of. Some of you, you're going to pay your mortgage off in 30, 60, 90 years. How many long it takes? God is saying that the debt to love one another is a mortgage that's mes- measured and amortized for eternity. It's always there. It's the debt we want to have. Paul is essentially saying keep paying on your love loan to God. United States government is in debt, right? You do all know that, I hope. <laughs> they are, they, <laughs> Kathy, be nice. <laughs> Get that red paint off your cheeks. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's 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 a lot. Anybody know how much? Seventeen trillion. Sixteen, 16 trillion. And by the summer, what's the ceiling? Sixteen point four trillion. So we're going to vote again to raise it. Most likely. Do you know how much each of you is responsible for that? Fifty-six thousand dollars. Each one of us. You're in debt and you don't even know it. You owe $56,000 to the world. Doesn't that seem like a debt we can never repay? Like a debt that will just always be there? If that helps you think about this, here's the beauty. What God has done for us in Jesus Christ, it's a debt we can never repay, right? 16 trillion, 16 quadrillion kabillion. It's a debt we could never repay. And so when Paul says, keep paying on your love loan to God, he's reminding us, why do we love others? Because the amount of love God has poured on us is unrepayable. And that makes no person on the planet hands off to be loved by one of us can't tell you how many times I hear people say, I don't want to go to church. I was just talking about this with somebody before service. I don't want to go to church because they're all fake and they're all hypocrites and they're all mean. Actually, you've never been to my church. They're pretty nice. We all freely admit we're a bag of goods. That's why we're here. You ought to come check it out. In fact... I think you're the one that's judging us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Keep paying on your love loan to God. So my my point today is very simple. Love is a debt we never repay. I don't want to say love is a debt we can never repay because I think we can try. We're not meant to repay it. It's the mortgage for eternity. It's the debt we want to have. I don't want to have some other debts. There's some debts. If God took them away tomorrow, I would do backflips in church. I promise you that. My mortgage being one of them. <laughs> but this is a debt I hope I never not want to pay. You know what happens when I, when I don't want to pay it? Then I have this weird excuse I don't have to be nice to you. You ever have that? Where someone wants to lend something to you and you say no because you don't want to be nice to them? We have, oh, believe me, we have this little debit and credit system in our heart. You see it most in marriage. You know, when the husband has been, you know, crediting into that account, and all of a sudden he's like, I, I want to call in that loan right now, you know? I mean, you you know, or the wife, you know, has been crediting into that account. It's like, hey, hubby, you know, I'm calling in. I mean, we have this little system where, you know, the more I do for you, we got to equal it out that you do it for me. It's actually a sad way to live marriage makes marriage a 50-50 proposition when God designed it to be 100-100. But in our natural state, we want to be loving to some, but not all. And Paul is saying, when you truly understand the love of God, when you truly pursue it, and truly want to experience love in your life, it's not conditional. And it is universal to everyone all the time. Now, let's talk about this a little more. Point number one love is not just being nice. I think, you know, I've talked to some men uh, over the years about church, and they're like, you know, I don't like to go to church because I don't want to have my nice lessons for the week. The fact of the matter is, love is not just being nice. When you have a sick child, and I mentioned this before, when you've got a sick child and they've got you know, medicine that tastes like green mud, but you've got to get it down them, and they're screaming, and they're, Mom and Daddy, don't do this to me. But you, you know you've got to get that medicine in them because if you love them, you want to cure them. So sometimes we have to be not nice in order to love. There's some people, they, uh, and by the way, Patty, I hope I don't offend you when I say this. I want you to keep giving me the treats and goodies. But for the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> the, people bring pastors, candy, cakes, treats, pizza, all this kind of stuff. And I want to say, if you love me, you'd buy me a treadmill and a bag of vegetables. <laughs> now we'll move on from that point. <coughs> Sometimes you love people by keeping your distance. Yeah. There's been times when I've been in conflict with somebody. And here's the thing. I know I'm in the right. I know they're feeling some guilt and some shame. So they'll be calling me five times. I need to talk. I need to talk. I need to talk. I need to talk but I'm, mad. I'm hurt. I'm str- I am processing through some things. And there's times, where I, 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 I'm thinking of a time where I said, you know what? I cannot talk about this now. It's, I'm going to take a few days. And the answer on the other line was, wow, man, I thought Christians were supposed to love one another. I thought you were supposed to come and pray. And he was just going on and on and on. I literally had to tell him, look, if we meet now, it will not go good. You need to give me a few days. I am actually loving you by restraining right now. And, of course, give it a few days, and all of a sudden, you know, things change, hopefully. Sometimes people struggle with God because God will allow things that seemingly appear not nice, and yet, and sometimes in those situations, it's exactly what God uses to grow our faith, strengthen our resolve, and deepen our hearts. Love is a strength, not a weakness. I would never respect a man who didn't see the value of love and living a loving life, nor would I ever trust him. Number two, love is often inconvenient. Sometimes you know that you're really loving somebody, when you're really feeling the pull against your own personal convenience. It's staying somewhere and being somewhere when you want to leave. We go and visit my uncle who lives in in Oakland, and he's in a nursing home. He can't talk. He can only make facial gestures to communicate, and it's hard for me. I go in there, and and it's it's hard because I I can't talk to him. I'm trying to say something. I don't even know if he understands what I'm saying. And I always want to leave very soon, within minutes of getting there. It's like, you know what? This is just not working. And there's something when I, I feel like God is just, uh, you, know. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean with that expression, don't you? Tom, stay. Tom, stay. You're here. You drove the you drive. Drove the drive. And I stay and I I stay and I just stay and stay and stay. Something's happening as we give love. The cycle of experiencing God loves. I walk out of there feeling loved. Amen. Number three, love is less burdensome than hate. Everybody say this with me Hate 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 is weight. Hate is weight. They hate his weight. Pentecostal church here. That's right. You know, we're so focused on losing body fat that we fail to see what is really weighing us down. I had a funny conversation about seven, eight years ago with somebody. And I I remember saying this. I said, you know what? (laughs) I may have the waistline. But you have got such a heavy chain yanked around your heart that it could rival a two-ton truck. That's how much you weigh. And I nicknamed him (laughs) Two-Ton. He didn't like that. But he knew what I was getting at. There was something he was harboring that he needed to let go. He was my personal friend. and, And I was trying to love him by being honest with him. And by carrying out that value, that love is less burdensome than hate, if you look on your notes, you'll see what Martin Luther King said, and I think he's right. Hate is a burden too great to bear. Quite frankly, love is simply easier. It's easier on your blood pressure. It's easier on your mind, on your heart, on your emotions, on your marriage. Love is less burdensome than hate. There was a, my, the, my former pastor, he had told a story that I still think about often. There was a woman who had contracted pneumonia, an older woman, and she was in the hospital. And she should have been cured. She should have walked out of there. There was no reason why with all the drugs and all the stuff we got today that pneumonia shouldn't have been kicked. But she wasn't getting better week after week after week. She was getting worse. So the pastor goes in and begins to pray for her for healing. Well, one day, and the doctor would always be there and kind of listen and overhear and all that. One day, the doctor said he overheard the pastor talking to this woman about the hatred she had toward her sister and how it had been for 20 years. They hated each other and, and this grudge and this, this yuck that she had felt. And so the pastor stops praying for her and for three hours works out issues of forgiveness and then concludes with a prayer with this woman forgiving her sister. She had been in the hospital for 6 weeks with pneumonia and walked out of there in 4 days after she prayed that prayer. Because love is less burdensome than hate. The hate was literally killing her. Number 4, love is something God wants for us, not just from us. And talk to a lot of people who say, "Yeah, I know. God wants my love. God wants my worship. God wants my money." Actually, he needs neither of those things. (laughs) God wants love for us, not from us. I'll I'll just leave it to this. When you live a life of loving others, you get the benefit. You get the benefit. Keep paying on your love loan. Let no debt remain. Keep paying on that love loan. And then number five, Love is divine. In it, we see and know God. At some point, I think every human being realizes there's something more to life than just molecular biology and ionized molecules. We hear a song. Watch a movie. We are touched in some way. Some of you have been in war and you've seen Comrades. Throw themselves in harm's danger to, to save another person from that harm. In it, we see, you know what? No, oh, there's something more to life than just the sum of our parts. Evolution cannot explain everything. It's because we come from God, and God is love. I want to close with a story. The, it's another one that comes from the doctor. His name was Richard Selzer. And he was uh, an atheist in function. He really didn't believe in anything spiritual. He didn't really believe in God. Didn't really believe in any of that stuff. But, you know, he tolerated it because he was a doctor. And, and uh, at one point, these two believers, young Christian couple, came in. And the wife had had something happen. And I, I, to be honest with you, I, I can't remember the disease. It's not really important. But something that happened that affected her face. And uh, so the surgeon, she met with the surgeon, and they had to do a surgery to save her life. If they wouldn't have, this thing would have kind of eaten up her face. So she goes in, and after the surgery, and this is huge for a woman. I think it would be huge for a man, too. be huge for anything. She is left with a severely disfigured face. I mean, it's all contorted. Her lips are out. Jaws, all all the flesh, it just, just from like here down, just all disfigured. Young couple. They just got married.
2: She's beautiful.
0: He was handsome. Here they are, sitting in a surgery room. And this woman will never look her former self again. Not this side of heaven. Well, the surgeon has to stay in the room. It's the recovery room. He can't leave. So he goes back to the wall, and he kind of folds his hands, and he's a little curious how this young husband is going to handle this. They didn't know the extent of the facial damage that would happen, but they had to go in and cut. The young husband comes over, leans over his wife, and she looks at him and says, Will I ever be normal? The doctor had said, no, you won't. This is permanent. And she just begins to cry so much. Whole life walks around with a dis- disfigured face. And her husband comes over and he leans over her. And the doctor is very curious. What's he going to do? What's he going to say? And the husband looks at the wife and says, Will you kiss me? And so she kind of nods her head, but he leans in, collecting on one of his debts, no doubt. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He leans in, and she tries to pucker for the kiss, but her lips are all distorted, so she puckers like that, you know. And as he leans in to kiss her, he kind of smiles. And he puckers his lips just like hers. And they kiss with the contorted lips. And Dr. Selzer said, in that moment, it was that moment where I first truly saw God, that we are the crooked and distorted figures. And here he did. He came down and distorted himself for us to make that kiss happen. He said, and as I saw that husband hold that wife in his arms, he said, I can't tell you how many husbands over the years leave wives who happen to have that happen to them. So much that in our society, I don't even flinch when it happens. He said, but in that moment when I looked, not only did I know he would be with her the rest of their life, but every night before they went to bed, he would contort his face and pucker like she can so that she would not feel alone. This morning, I want to invite you to know that just like Jesus came down to Peter and said, do you phileo me? God comes down, loves us right where we're at, and then calls us to assume a debt we can never repay by loving each other. I hope as a church we can do that to new people who come through our doors, to members who are already here. Buy your hands with me. Heavenly Father, help us to keep paying on that love loan. Jesus, you're so good. You're so awesome. Aren't you, isn't God, you are awesome? People can't come up with this stuff, they, they can't write these scriptures. You are good. You're powerful, you're real, and you're just so, oh, God, I pray for each and every person here, for those who haven't begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray they would, for those who have, I pray they'd never forget to let no debt remain outstanding except the debt to love one another. And so fulfill the law of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's close with a song.
2: Okay. The splendor of the King. In majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. And all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. And darkness tries to hide. And trembles at his voice. And trembles at his voice. How great is our God! God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. great is our God, you're the name above all names, you are worthy of all praise, and my heart will sing how great our God, and how great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, and how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great
0: is our
2: God. All will say how great, how great is our God. Well, let's give the Lord a shout of praise right now. Great are you, Lord. Great is your love. Great is your
0: mercy. Great is your power. Thank you, Jesus. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and grant you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't forget to sign up with Dan to uh, come on the outreach at the end of the month here. Bless you all. See you next Sunday, same time, same place. And we'll keep it going.